This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back night. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone, and he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate Dax Milne on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I forgot. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone in Mount Pleasant. That's actually a true statement. That means it's time for the WWE debate, brought to you by CampusToCanton.com. we got a full house tonight, Austin Nace, uh, Matt Bruning, and Chris Moxley, and I'm Felix Sharp on a disguised and shady version of tonight's show. Who is the C2C MVP? How about freshman of the year? And most improved as we're going to hand out some awards for this season. But we're going to start with this. Uh, Dame Brugler of The Athletic. I don't think that there's, you know, a more respected NFL draft analyst out there other than Dame Brugler. Uh, Certainly there are some on his level, but very well respected. He released a top 50 big board um, earlier today. So some surprises here. I'm going to read the fantasy relevant names uh, in that top 50. Number one, Drake May, UNC. He's uh, overtaking Caleb Williams. Number two, Marvin Harrison Jr. Number three, Caleb Williams. Number four, Brock Bowers, uh, all the way up at number four. Number eight, Keon Coleman. Number 11, uh, Roma Dunze. Number 13, uh, uh, Malik Neighbors, Chris Moxley. Uh, Number 16, J.J. McCarthy. Number 20, Emeka Ibuka. Number 24, Shador Sanders. Number 25, Brian Thomas Jr., Number 31, Troy Franklin. Number 39, uh, Jalen Polk. Number 42, uh, Adonai Mitchell. Number 43, Jane Daniels. Number 45, Quint Ewers. There you go, Matthew. 45, Quint Ewers. Number He's he's three spots ahead of Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey at number 48 and number 50, Carson Beck. Uh, Austin, any particular takeaways or anything that stood out to you um, uh, from Dane Brugler's uh, list here? Uh, a couple. I think having Jalen Polk that high is 
interesting. Um, not saying right or wrong. I'm just shocked that he's shot up boards that far through this year. I don't think he gets the senior bowl circuit to help him this year. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up getting drafted. I believe he's a true junior uh, if he if he even does come out. Um, and then actually, I think this is the first uh, big board that I've seen some from someone who's actually respectable, who has Jaden Daniels relatively high, which I think is interesting. And while I probably don't agree with it and think it's probably a little aggressive, um, you know, I think some draft people are coming around on him. Um, so I think that moves him firmly into if somebody's buying Jaden Daniels, I'm probably selling Jaden Daniels, but that's just me. You're muted, by the way. Okay, we got the gist, Chris Moxley. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can read lips. Uh yeah, I mean by by far the most interesting thing on this list is Drake May, uh above Caleb Williams. I don't think that's really a question, right? Uh now that I totally disagree with it. I, I think that there's that's been a growing movement over the last couple of weeks as Williams has really honestly struggled a whole lot. Uh, I think the most interesting name, though, is Keon Coleman in the top 10. Uh, that surprises me a little bit. Number I like eight. Keon Coleman, yeah. too, but that feels aggressive. The same thing with Roma Dunze at 11. Like, those two names are a little too high for me. Like, I would have them probably round two at worst, like borderline round one. But I mean, I'm not plugged in like Dan Brugler is. So like he 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 at least has some foundation for his opinion, I think. Um I do not that I like it per se, because like I'd love to see all the players succeed all the time, but I feel somewhat vindicated that Bo Nix and Michael Penix are not in the top fifty here. Like that tells me that my evaluation of those players is more in line with the NFL's evaluation of those players so there's one thing that like all of you have glossed over that is the most interesting thing on this giving it for you were you which is what i thought you were gonna talk quinn i am because guys it's been a pleasure i'm out at c2c if shador sanders is going at 24 before quinn Ewers, which i believe was the bet that that would not happen there's no way shador sanders is going in the first round right not before Quinn Hughes. No. He's not. They said he's not coming out this year. So, I mean, uh, they got him there. If but. he gets he's the first not round a grade, he's coming prospect, out. prospect, though, either. And I'm not trying to be mean, but he is not. I'll do I don't it. Know. I'll do quarterback it. position. No, Matt Matt yeah. already made this bet. Matt made this bet a while ago. Yeah. Like, so, ago. Not a while ago. Like, like shows ago. Like, four shows. So, I get Dane's, Dane's trolling me a little bit here. But, uh. You guys are looking to buy into C2C. Pay attention in what is it, late I, April? It's it doesn't feel like it's a strong quarterback or running back. There's no running backs uh in the top 50. No Travion Henderson, no uh Braylon Allen, uh, two players mix, missing, as Chris Moxley said, no Michael Penix Jr., no Devontae Walker. I would be interested to see, you know, if he continued to play well where he I kind of think that he would be. Uh in this, I, I wonder uh, when this list was compiled. Like, I wonder if it was compiled, like, a couple after weeks week, ago. After week four, Colorado yeah. was on a high. Yeah, well, like, that it's been in the work for a little bit of a little bit of time. So, like, Travion's playing substantially better over the last couple games. Shadur's taking a big hit. Devontae Walker has come up. So, like, I wonder if some of those names are off because this has been in the work for, like, a couple weeks now. And I, I Not that that's the case. I just – some of the omissions and some of the rankings kind of 
lead me to believe it's more of a reflection of like a couple weeks ago rather than like week 10. Do you all have a problem with, and I want to talk about Shadur too, but do you have a problem with um, Drake May over Caleb Williams? I was trying to think of who I would compare. We've compared nope. Caleb Williams to Kyler Murray, and I still believe, I think he's Kyler Murray with be- better, a little bit bigger, better physical tools. Um, and I was trying to think of who I would compare Drake May to. Justin Herbert. Herbert's the comp that people yeah. throw out a lot. Does he they have, they have the like, same body type, which makes it yeah, really but easy. Herbert can yeah, but Herbert can throw the ball 100 yards. I don't know yeah, and I don't May. think Herbert ran as much as Drake May does, but I might be wrong on that. No, it, I, I hate to – I'm going to save mine because I don't feel it's right, and I don't want to sound like an idiot, so go ahead. No, go ahead, Matthew, because I want to say no if you're saying thinking the name that I'm thinking of. We're definitely not. The the amount of times that you have been been simpatico on a player have been very little on this show. So I imagine ahead, we are me. not. Um, I think he's Aaron Rodgers with more mobility. That's person. what I was gonna say. Son of and I'm gonna tell and I'm gonna tell you why. Okay, well, cool. It's because Aaron Rodgers has always been so good in the red zone. Now, I haven't paid particular attention to Drake May's red zone numbers this year, but last year you would watch him and he would move players with pump fakes and move players with his shoulders and would be like so deadly in the red zone in that condensed area. That's the thing. And it would like pump fakes and stuff. That's the thing that reminded me of Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers had that long streak, you know, of without committing a turnover in the red zone. It's because he kind of used the same tech techniques that, and like if Aaron Rodgers ran more, that would be, that's what Drake may is, but stylistically that's what, yeah. No, I, I agree. The, I, for me, it's a lot of what he does in the pocket as well within the offense, which is why I know Mike made this argument. If you guys listen to back to Debbie, uh, he talked about on there. We talked about on the Debbie call. That was kind of the thing when we talked on the Debbie call, why there were a couple of us who had Drake May above Caleb Williams, because we value that more. And I think the NFL will as well. It's not to say I think Caleb Williams is a bad player or he's going to bust, but We've just seen so little of those players succeed so well out of structure that it's hard to bet on that. Where Drake may, I think he can go anywhere in the NFL and he will succeed. We're like, what is it? Kyler Mahomes, Steve Young. Cause I don't think you can put Lamar in that category. Cause he's a completely no, different player. And, and I hate when people put, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes in that category. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is someone who is always playing out of structure. Yes, he will, but not, Nearly as much as either Kyler Murray or Caleb Williams, at least in my opinion. So, um, Shadour, I don't know. I, I I said this on another show. I think that everybody's take on Shadour Sanders is tainted by whether they like Deion Sanders or not. So it's just hard to get a firm read on how good he is. I will say that I don't think that that offense asks him to answer a lot of NFL questions. So it's really hard to evaluate, you know, when it's kind of a dink and dunk offense that doesn't really require you to layer throws. Now, earlier in the season, he was throwing the ball deep a lot to, uh, to Travis Hunter was like their deep guy. They've kind of hit Xavier Weaver with, with some of the deep stuff. Now it doesn't seem like it's been as frequent recently, and as a matter of fact, those wide receivers were dropping a lot of those deep balls too. So we know he can do it, but the thing that we like how he handles pressure, which is really, really important. I don't have a good sense for, for that. And when I say handle pressure, like, I don't mean like getting the ball out quick or, or running. I mean, like what we saw from Joe Burrow this past weekend, where he like spins out of a tackle, steps up into the pocket, 
you know, to uh, to let the edge rushers collapse uh, uh, behind him. Like, I don't have a good sense for for Shadur Sanders' ability to do that consistently. Does anybody have a comp for Shadur? Like, that's really – it's really hard for me to – David Carr. Comp. David Carr. You're talking about because of the sacks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of both their singular issue. I mean, David Carr is the most sacked player in NFL history, and I do think – by the end of his time in Houston, he probably was just so battered that it, you know, it, it didn't really matter. But a lot of it was his problem to start off with. And I am curious because like the pressure that Shador has started seeing because teams have just realized you just rush four and you just bring heat and it doesn't really matter. Like they're not going to run the ball. They're, they're dropping back to pass 50 times a game. So it's like it's comical watching these guys just rush him. But he doesn't handle it very well. So, but it's hard to kind of separate those two because that teams just know that's what you have to do, and you'll 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 get there. So, but I, I do think that's kind of a, a, a my comp at least. Chris, what are you gonna say? I don't know that I have a good comp because he he just looks like another. Well, he obviously has talent. Mm-hmm. How? he is harnessing that talent. I think is probably the question. I think he's a good player. I really do. Like, I think that he has tools to be successful. He's not asked to like really show off those tools. He's asked to work in an offense with that is a hundred percent timing and like system based. He holds on to the ball for too long period for any quarterback. I think that's a, a big issue, but you see him make some throws sometimes. And I'm like, that's a legit like quarterback prospect yeah. throw. Right. And then you see him have like very little awareness in the pocket. And I'm like, well, obviously those are issues. I don't know that he's going to get better though. You have an offensive coordinator who is, is not known for putting um, players in positions to succeed for the next level. And Sean Lewis is a great coordinator for college. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know that Shader is going to be able to show that off. So it, he's just a really, Tough evaluation. I'm not his biggest fan. I know some people are, are really big fans. and I mean, Brugler's got him as high as he does. So the, it's a tough evaluation. It really is. One of, one of the toughest, because if you think he's an NFL player, he's not getting the showcasing that you need. The, the funny thing is, though, is if he is the third quarterback off the board, I don't think he's in the top you know, 15 draft picks or so. So he goes between picks 15, 16 and 32. He might land in a very good situation. Like he might, he might end up in a in a really good situation. Just like Kenny Pickett. And yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, might have a chance. And in superflex leagues, I mean, if people are playing in superflex leagues, he could be a value. Um. Oh, I did want to say this about Keon Coleman. People are. I see people on Twitter talking about. Uh. Uh. You know, I was the first to talk about Keon Coleman two years ago. No, the the first person that I heard talk about Keon Coleman, it was Boz. And I think Carl was on that show too. It was the Up Next podcast. And I looked it up. I think they did like five episodes. Boz, where are you? You disappeared from Twitter. Carl, you did too. Probably out there selling real estate and just running the program stuff. But um, and it was an excellent show. They just talked about freshmen. And that was the first time I heard about Keon Coleman in his dual sport background in Michigan State and all that stuff. So that was like, I've, that was on four years ago. So nobody else out there uh, talked about Keon Coleman first. Also, one of the shows that was the highest on Drake May of anybody I listened to, if, as long as we're giving shout outs. Um, 
Oh, okay. One more thing here. Shane Hallam, Debbie Marketplace, uh, tweeted today that if if there's somebody that believes Drake May is better than Caleb Williams, go ahead and trade Drake May for Caleb Williams. Austin, I don't know. Any thoughts about those two or that or that kind? I wanted to have Caleb. I wanted to have Shane on, but uh, Shane's Shane's just had a baby, so he's he's really busy. I think uh, we're getting dangerously close to slingshotting Drake May into the way overvalued category where we had Caleb Williams earlier this year. Um, I don't know if that's just the nature of having the QB one or it's such like a pushback on Caleb Williams QB one that we had to find somebody else. And I'm not saying that like he doesn't deserve to be QB one or not, but I just think some of the takes that I've seen flying recently about him have been pretty wild. I think if you have Drake May or Caleb Williams, as you would with like any two players that are probably in the same tier. I mean, I wouldn't trade either of those guys straight up. And I think to to trade within a tier, you have to ask for that little bit of add on, which just doesn't make sense to me. If I have either of those guys, I just don't think that's like a, uh, a sharp trade to like trade within the tier between two very similar players. I think you turn that player into something else rather than the other guy who we also have questions about who needs to acclimate to the NFL next year. That's, so I I wouldn't move one for the other if I had them. And I have more Caleb than Drake May, I think. Um, I think you have to be worried about any young quarterback, though. Like, I don't feel amazing about it. You'll, I'll never feel amazing about any young quarterback until they're, like, four years into the league and they're, you know, right. they've got right. they've got a Super Bowl MVP or something. I'm like, okay, cool. I can breathe a little bit here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Matt, any players here that you think should be here? Or it could rise up. I mean, Jalen McMillan isn't listed. Uh, I think the running back conversation is interesting. I mean, it's not in the top 50. I mean, that could – did we get through the second round without a running back? I, there's a chance. Wait, through the second round? Through This is it's 50 pick. It's 50, the top yeah. 50. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about 64 being in the top two rounds. It seems like there's oh, a chance that we could get through the second round without, without a running back taken. You know – much like you like to say, I also went to public school, so my math is not great. So when you said through the second round, I was just trying to add, figure out where the 32 to 50 got to the second round part. So now the running backs part is interesting, kind of. I mean, I feel like we've kind of talked a lot about that, though, here recently, like how disappointing this class has been. I mean, I know a lot of people recently were talking about Braylon Allen as, as like the clear RB1. Like, I don't think Braylon Allen's necessarily been that good this year either. He's just been performing better than the rest of the class, which has been poor. So like, I don't think any of those are McMillan, I think is more because of the injury. Uh, So it would probably be Walker, but maybe that's because we just like, we were high on him as a group. And then because he wasn't able to play because of the transfer, now he's got the injury. So we may not even get a chance to see him again until later in the year. Maybe he goes out there. If he ends up going to the senior bowl and he's able to really kind of shoot up here is I think he's personally better than lad McConkey, Adonai Mitchell, Jalen Pohl, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas jr who are all on this list. So I think he's got a shot to really shoot up if he's able to get healthy and maybe do something at the senior bowl. Um, Austin, I want to ask you this question, and this is not on the show sheet. This player isn't even draft eligible. But what do you think the chances are we get 18 months from now and Ollie Gordon is the RB1 overall, you know, in in Devi C2C? What, what do you think the chances are? Man, I... I don't really see it with Ollie Gordon, personally. 
as somebody who did like him quite a bit coming out of high school. I think he has basically no wiggle. He's a pretty very similar average receiver. Yeah. I don't think like I, I, I struggle to point to any skill that he has that I'm like, that's like a really good NFL back quality. Like, I just think he's a really good college running back. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think we talked about this in a couple of shows recently, or at least I have, I don't know if it was this one or not, where like at any given time, what are there like three running backs in the NFL that are probably like game changers. And then you probably have 80% of the league that like, you know, they could fill in on any given Sunday and, and kind of lead a backfield and, and perform fine. I think he just falls firmly into that bucket, and there's like no. But that's the whole. Cl- that's the. That's the whole. There's no college shame running that, back landscape but, right yeah. now. Like there's everybody falls in. I feel like every single running back in college falls into that category. There's like no. It doesn't. It feel doesn't feel like there's any real difference makers. I, I think um, Judkins is a significantly better running back than he is right now. Like significantly. Like not even really close. Quite frankly. Um. So. You know, you can we can argue about Singleton because I think at this point you're just betting on his tools because he's been pretty horrible this year, quite frankly. Um, but I, I couldn't vault Gordon that high, no. Yeah. All right. Well, if you like what it is that we're doing um, here, listening to this show or listening to Campus Life or uh, Back to Devi, and you want more audio from us, there is a whole uh, another set of podcasts, the collective podcast for our NIL subscribers. Matt Waldman has a show. Austin has his weekly takeaways. Um, uh, uh, Nelly, Michael Nelson from Debbie Marketplace has a show on strategy. Is there one? Is there one I'm forgetting? So let's say you have a trip. Let's let's say you have a trip and you're going somewhere and you want another four or five hours, or if you haven't listened to it, another 10 hours worth of content from us about this format, then go ahead and get become an NIL subscriber and jump in the uh, collective. We are venturing towards 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube page, even if you just listen to the audio, just go ahead and create a YouTube account and subscribe to the YouTube page so we can get to 2,000 subscribers. Um and we've already started uh, work for next season. We've started the freshman guide. We are starting the freshman guide. Uh, we're working on that. I think next year is going to be a really big year for us. I really do. I think we know what we're doing. We know uh, we we um, uh, you know know the schedule, the cycle of this content, and we know when you need it. So um, yeah, twenty twenty four is going to be a good year for us. We're going to give out some awards this year. And um, we're going to start with most improved. Most improved on the season. I guess I'll start here. Brian Thomas Jr. was in that list from Dane Brugler. He's my most improved. Uh, That wide receiver core was really loaded last year, or there were a lot of bodies there. Um, Deion Smith was there. Who else am I? Chris Hilton was there. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but there were a lot – Jack Beck. Jack Beck, who had tight end eligibility. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, and Brian Jr., Brian Thomas Jr., who coming out of uh high school reminded me of Preston Williams because probably because they were similar size and wore the same colors, uh, at least Brian Thomas Jr. did in his high school. Um, and you know, he's really made a jump this year under uh Brian Kelly. I was Sitting here filibustering, trying to bring up his stats this year. He's averaging 17.4 per catch on 42 receptions. His two previous seasons, he was averaging under 13. 
Um, so by far having his best season, including 11 touchdowns, just a guy that's stretching the field at 6'4", 205. I tend to like these bigger wide receivers. So, and, you know, his, his, his season is culminating with being listed as a top 32 uh, draft prospect going into next year. So, I mean, Brian Thomas Jr., really, for me, we didn't really think that there was in some respects, we didn't think there was anything of value in that LSU wide receiver core. Now you got Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr., who are going to be high draft picks. So give me for most improved, uh, give me Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, Austin, who do you got? This is a tough one. Um, I, I'm going to actually going to go with Thomas Castellanos, your guy. I thought he looked. Uh, it was a really small sample at UCF, so I don't want to say like you know like he looked bad, he looked good. But if I I would definitely not have predicted that he would go to Boston College and be pretty good for them. You know, at Boston College looked so bad at the beginning of the year without him, and he really kind of injected life there. Um, and even like in the small sample size, you know, improved his A dot, adjusted completion percentage. Um, uh, you know, cut down on some turnover turnover worthy plays. He's been he's been pretty good this year for them overall. So I, I mean, never say never here now. But we're not talking about him as like an NFL prospect at all, right? Like I, I don't see that. I don't see that. But he's been really really good this year, and that's something Boston College who can't really recruit that well. You know, generally they're not in a talent rich area. That's going to help them out for years. And the best part for them, he can't leave. He already transferred. What I mean. Yeah, I mean, I I I um he's been the best rusher at the quarterback position in the country. And you know, whether or not he's gonna become an NFL player, I don't really know. I think he's definitely somebody who's going to have an NFL future if it's a quarterback or somewhere else. But anytime you have an elite trait, I you you, you have a chance, and he has at least one elite trait in that ability to escape, ability to run. Who knows? He's got three more years to develop. Yeah, three? Three more years after this year to develop. So who knows? He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, I mean, nearly had the ups, upset against Florida State this year. A guy watching the ACC who could be someone, you know, someone of a, uh, somewhat of a dragon slayer or, or a David to another team's Goliath in the ACC. So, Chris, who you got for most improved? I think Luther Burden has made a big jump. Uh, and it's funny because his ADOT is down. I think that's something that Austin has talked about previously this year. But he's playing slot snaps. Like, he's gone from 30% slot rate last year to an 85% slot rate this year. The Eli Drinkwitz offense feeds the slot receiver. That's why Dominic, Dominic Lovett was so successful last year as well. But Burden, the player, has made tremendous strides. He is no longer just, like, a gadget type feed him behind the line of scrimmage and let him do work after the catch type guy. I think he's really turned into a very good receiver. He's got the best deep ball grade per PFF as well. Like he's not getting a lot of deep targets. He only has 15 on the year, which that's not bad. It's 20 plus yards. But when I see him run routes intermediate and deep, I feel like this is a player who's finally putting it together. So I, I, I really like what I've seen from Luther burden. Cause I thought, I, I mean, I was, I wasn't ready to write him off, but I had moved him down. I did not like his usage year one. I thought that there was a lot to that. He left a lot to be desired on the field. And I, I think that he's really changed the narrative on him. I think he's been excellent. Like he's such a fun watch. I think he's going to be named in a couple of these categories here. Uh, Luther burden is so uh, Matt, who do you have? 
So I went with a player that ended up in our tier six of our Devi God. We had a lot of questions about this player. We weren't sure what he was going to be. In fact, there was a couple people, myself included in this category of being wrong on this, thought that other players were going to be better than him and end up taking this job, and he may end up transferring at the end of the year. That is one Texas running back, Jonathan Brooks, who has been, in my opinion, very good. I don't think he was a – you don't think so, Felix? You don't think he's been good? No, I I don't think he's going to transfer. I think he's going to declare oh, for the I NFL draft. No, I said that. Oh, I, oh, I thought he was going to oh, get beat out okay. by Jadon Blue and Cedric Baxter and ended up transferring. Like, I did not think he was going to be this good. We thought he was going to possibly do something. I, I think his vision has looked really good this year. He's done a really good job in missing force tackles. He's actually top 10 in almost all categories for running backs when it comes to yards after contact, yards per average, missed force tackles. Uh, he's lacking a little bit on the breakaway stuff to 10-plus yards and, and plus 15, but I, he's been really good for that offense, it, really good in the receiving game. His, his ADOT's negative one yard, so like they're not using him really downfield, but still, he's a player that, like I said, we voted on him and our Devi guide in tier six. And he's, I think, has a shot if he continues playing this way. I agree with you, Felix. Like he's going to declare. I think he has a chance to go day two. I mean, I don't know that he's really as heavy. He's listed, I believe, as six foot 207 on Texas's website. I don't know that he's that big. But even if he comes in close to that, like, I think he's got a chance to go day two. Like, he's a guy who's really looked good this year. The real question is why Why did neither of the back to Devi guys have the testicular fortitude to uh, my guy him up a tier is the real question, you know, put their money where their mouth was there. Because hmm. they're all they're all bark, no bite, Austin. That's it why. makes you wonder. It really does. Um, I, I mean, Jonathan Brooks, I've, he's in my top 10 now. Jonathan Brooks, Audric Estime, both of those guys are in my top 10 in my rankings. And that's why, I don't know, running back rankings just feel yucky uh, at this point. But you got to, I mean, those guys... They're the Jonathan Brooks, Braylon Allen, Travion Henderson, Audric Estime. If any of those guys were the first running back drafted, I wouldn't be surprised in this year's class. So, all right, let's go to the CFF CFF player of the year. Uh, Austin, who do you got? It has to be Ashton Genty. It has to be. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the league that I pulled this from doesn't have like weird bonuses or anything. I think it's just full PPR. Before this past week against Wyoming, where he left early with an injury, his worst fantasy output of the year was 16.3 points against San Jose State. His next closest was 26.3, and he has one, two, three, five games above 30 points and three games above 40 points. He's just been incredible every single week. He's been, you know, not that they played a super difficult schedule, but he's been matchup proof. I mean, he put up 31.3 against Washington in week one. Uh, he's been really, really good as a second year back, um, which means that he is almost definitely a sell after this season, but we can talk about that later. Um, he's been like Chris, whatever you think of Christian McCaffrey in the NFL, that's what Ashton Genty has been, uh, here for. And, and I mean, Christian McCaffrey, you had to take in the first round Ashton Genty, especially for, for he wasn't going in the first round in any, not in freshman drafts, not in a CFF perspective. So you got a lot of value there. That's why um, from a value perspective, my uh, CFF MVP is Thomas Castellanos because I, first of all, I was on an Island as far as liking him and uh, <laughs> mocked and literally mocked and ridiculed. So if you got him rostered, 
Um, you probably got him off the waiver wire, or if you drafted him, you drafted him. You drafted him with the 15th pick in your supplemental drafts. I mean, he just has such a high floor because of his rushing ability. He has two games with over 120 yards rushing, a game with 95 yards rushing. He has a game with four rushing TDs. I mean, he's he's a work in progress as a passer, but he's got a game with a 73% uh, completion percentage, 60, you know, 61. So he's still a work there, and he can he can improve there. I just think, you know, coming into the season, having not started and then to be averaging over 30 points a game is just a little a lot of value there. And I, I, I'm going to put make him MVP because he has three more years. So he has additional years to be a QB one, just a great, great value. And if I was trading him, I mean, I think I would ask for like a second round supplemental pick. That's just a lot of equity there for a player that you probably got off the waiver wire. So, you know, whatever you thought about, I don't know, somebody like Austin Reed last year or coming into this season, I kind of think that you should be thinking like that about Thomas Castellanos because that rushing ability gives him, gives him such a high floor. Now, hopefully they develop some pass catching weapons there so he can develop as a passer too. But I mean, averaging 30 points a game off the waiver wire, really like TC Thomas Castellanos, by the way, UCF, you should have let me interview your boy. You should have let me interview the boy saying, why, why would you want to talk to our third string quarterback? That's why. That's why, Mr. Communications Department person, whoever responded to uh, to my email. So, um, Chris, who you got for uh, CFF MVP? Uh, I picked Ollie Gordon. I mean, he is three straight weeks of 40-plus points. He's probably won you your matchup in at least two of the last three weeks. He's been awesome. I mean, he has, what, 1,288 yards from scrimmage, 11 touchdowns. And that's with Mike Gundy just treating him like he's a part-time player for three weeks. The last six games, he's just been electric. I, I think that he's winning matchups for people, and that matters. And I expect him to be really solid down the stretch, too, which is what made me put him here over a guy like Gene T, who I, I think might be hurt down the stretch. Um so like that was part of the calculus as well. But yeah, I just think Ollie Gordon has been amazing. I think that there's a good chance that he wins the Doak Walker this year. Um, best best running back in the country. Just a phenomenal college running back in an awesome season. And I don't know what Mike Gundy was doing early on because they lost a lot of those games. And I think they could have used more Ollie Gordon, to be honest. I, well, I mean, Mike Gundy was on Ollie Gordon's ass the entire offseason, so uh, I don't know yeah. what he did, but it, it, it worked. Uh, Matt, who do you got for CFF MVP? Uh, so I, I wanted to go with either uh, Ashton or Ollie Gordon, but since Austin and Chris put those, I went just the quarterback route. Highest score, I believe, in all of college football. Right now, granted, this I think this league might have harder scoring on quarterbacks, actually, so I don't know if he even has more points than this, but Jaden Daniels which I don't think anybody expected him to be quite this good. I mean, I looked at him in our ADP. He was going off the board is in the QB 30s in most drafts. So, like, you weren't expecting him to be QB 1 overall in CFF, even over Caleb Williams. 38 points, 41, 51, 58, 41, 48, 49, 40, or 27. Like, he's had, outside of that Florida State game, he has been on fire. Even when LSU maybe has not even been playing that good, he has been phenomenal. So, for me, he's got to be the CFF player of the year. Yeah, um, no problem with that. Let's move on here to Debbie, Debbie player of the year, Austin. Uh, take it away. Yeah, and I chose Jonathan Brooks for mine, um, a guy that I 
there were there were kind of uh, a handful of those like trendy running backs in the offseason. I really didn't like any of them. Yeah, Jaquinta Jackson, CJ Donaldson, Jonathan Brooks, um, uh, sprinkle one or two other guys in there as well. I, I, I kind of thought all of them were, you know, fake news. But Brooks has been really, really good. You know, I, I do think I, I talk with the Debbie team, uh, actually a bunch over the past couple of weeks about this. And I think Corey Pereira brings up a good point where he says, like, I don't know that he has like a really high end NFL skill. But I like I I think you know he could probably be a third or fourth round pick like Damian Pierce ish, in terms of like what he'll bring to an NFL team. Like he might always kind of feel like he's replaceable, but he's a you know a, a pretty good fantasy guy for a couple of years in the NFL who can catch the ball, who can kind of you know he can work in short yardage. He could be a three down guy if a team asks him to be. I think that's what Jonathan Brooks can be. Yeah, my my Debbie MVP is just because of everything he's shown beyond the line of scrimmage is Luther Burden. Uh, we're going to hear his name again here, but he's having an excellent season down the field, and they still kind of use him in some of those gadgety ways. But, you know, I, I said this on an earlier show, he exists on the same spectrum that I think that you would include Percy Harvin on. Now, not nearly as explosive. He's closer to, you know, Debo Samuel than Percy Harvin. LaVisca Chenault is on the lower end of that spectrum also. But there are these, quote-unquote, gadget guys who have success because, you know, they 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 can win in a multitude of ways and as a traditional wide receiver. I don't know if Luther Burden is ever, ever going to be somebody that you line up at X and have him run routes against Jalen Ramsey. But he's shown enough versatility that could he be a guy that gets, you know, five carries and a couple of screens and is targeted downfield the same way he's being used right now. Yeah, I think so. And so that versatility is going to rack up points. When you look at, I mean, like from the running back position, I'm thinking of Alvin Kamara, Jameer Gibbs, especially Alvin Kamara. Like Alvin Kamara has not, like if you just look at his rushing box score, he had been great since he came back from suspension, but because he's so versatile, he might have nine receptions for 60 yards and then, you know, five carries for – or ten carries for, for 70 yards, and you look up and he has 20 points. I, Luther Burden can be the same thing but at a uh, at the wide receiver position. And, you know, Austin, you talked about uh, on Campus Life how, you know, 15 years ago Luther Burden might have been a running back, and I think that that's – I think that that's accurate, you know, for, for a player that of his size. But he's put a lot of good things uh, on tape this season so my uh debbie mvp is is luther burden chris who you got i like that call obviously i had him as most improved reminds me a lot of the usage of uh dj moore at maryland um i have drake may and i know this is like a higher end name um so maybe it's cheating but there were a lot of people talking about the last four weeks of the season last five weeks of the season on drake may and how he kind of faltered and, you know, there were like a lot of skeptics, I think using that and taking it to run. Um, I think he's answered a lot of those questions this year. And I don't think he's been perfect. I think he's had struggles and I don't think he's played uh, to the best of his ability in quite a few games, but he's being mentioned as quarterback one in this draft process. And I, I think that he has elevated himself in an offense that is, a, not designed to highlight him for Chip Lindsay. And then two, until Devontae Walker came back, didn't really have a great wide receiver room. Honestly, I would call it pretty poor. So I think I think May has solidified himself as a top-tier Debbie asset with all those questions from last year, with a bad 
situation I think that he was put in this season. So I think Drake May is a player that you, there were questions were, I think, worthwhile or at least least worthwhile discussing. And I think he's answered a lot of them. So Drake May, I know he's high end guy, but still it's good when those high end guys answer questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. What two years ago he was competing with Jacoby Criswell and they didn't know who was going to be the starter in the spring the, the game. Coin flip. The coin flip, the coin flip, uh, Matthew, uh, when I threw it to you for the CFF MVP, you went to yep. one of your leagues sorted by points per game and then just yes. said the top name. So, no, uh, no, I don't know, I, I don't I know how you're going to come up you. with this one. I've, I've got my notes. I, I prepared for this show. I'm going to surprise you guys with this one right here. So I was going to go Quinshawn Judkins. As Austin talked about, I actually think there's a shot that he ends up being the RB1 by by next season because of the way people have him. But I'm not going to go with that. I'm not going with him. I'm going to go with the player that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him some props and you need to turn around and sell this player immediately. And it is J.J. McCarthy. Because holy shit, Dane Brugler just put him in the first round of the draft. He's played well against garbage can teams all year long, but he's got decent stats. He has a chance. If Michigan goes and beats if beats Ohio State, he's probably going to be in the Heisman ceremony. I don't know if he'll win it, but he's going to be there. Look, all kidding aside, I do think he's played a little bit better than what he did last year. There are improvements in his game. I personally still don't think he is an NFL quarterback, but we talked about the beginning of the show. Dane Brugler is, is plugged in more than anybody, and he had him where again? Where was he? He was pick 16 right now. I mean, that's not like pick 26, so maybe he's going to make it in the first round. That's mid-first round grade on him right now. If he makes it to the playoffs, and there's a shot. Many people believe Michigan's the second-best team in the nation behind Georgia right now. If he gets in the national championship game and plays good against a Georgia team that I don't think is the same Georgia team that beat up on them, whatever that was last year or two years ago, I think there's a shot that this dude does go in the first round. And this was a guy nobody at this company besides thought he was going to be any good. We all had a lot of questions about his game, and he's answered almost all of those questions. So for me, Corey's from Corey's from Canada. How yeah, but he's, he's a, a Michigan fan. No, he's, he's, he's a Georgia, Georgia fan. fan. Oh, that's yeah. right. But he's a McCarthy homer. Whatever that dude loves McCarthy more than I love Kyle McCord. <laughs> Um, who's he a was, better? He was my most approved player um, until I changed it late. I was like, "Well, I don't really want to defend JJ McCarthy, so I changed it." Yeah, I really didn't want to either, but I didn't want to. <laughs> but you're, but Kansas you're right. Kansas. He's operating inside of structure the best he ever has. Who's a better uh, prospect, JJ McCarthy or Will Levis? I think McCarthy. Levis because I think he's more toolsy in terms of what the NFL thinks is toolsy. Yeah. Uh, the answer is Michael Pratt, if that's what you're asking. That is the correct answer, but I think Levis has a stronger arm, so the NFL likes that more. Michael Pratt, not in the top 50. You know, if he has additional eligibility, he might use it. Um, is there I, is there a single G5 player in the top 50, skill position-wise, slash quarterback? Don't think I didn't so. see one. No, I didn't see it, one. Someone's going to go, I think. Well, top 50, maybe not. Non-skill position players will go. So I take that back. All right. Uh, let's go here to give out the award for good take of the year. Now, in full disclosure, I wanted to use a take that wasn't my own. But I, quite frankly, I didn't have enough time to think about, like, one of your takes that I could remember. Actually, I can I can think of one now. Um, uh, since I'm talking, let me just go ahead. Uh, I'm going to give Matthew credit for kind of identifying 
Aiden Childs. Wow, um, thank you, because I didn't even have a good call for myself. I'm, I was going to talk about I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and identify Matthew for, identi- for identifying Aiden Childs because if you look at what Jonathan Smith is doing, with, they clearly believe Aiden Childs is like the the future. And I don't know what eligibility DJ Uyunglele has, but they have like – he's been – he's played in every single game. He is completing 70% of his passes. And like they're getting his wheat, his feet wet, but they're getting his feet wet and, and like giving him occasional swims in the deep end of the pool, which I just love that um uh plan for a quarterback. But I gotta give Matthew credit for identifying him. And I mean Matthew has had some really good calls in back to back years with Quinshawn Judkins last year, and then uh stop it, you're making and me. Aiden Childs this year, like I, I was looking at my rankings. After this cl- quarterback class leaves, Aiden Childs is going to be in my top 13, 14, somewhere in there. And I think he should be. And, I mean, if you listen to our content, there are two quarterbacks that we were screaming about uh, after the top five, and those were Aiden Childs and Lenore Sellers. And both of them have looked ridiculous in the in the action world. I especially, I cannot wait for Lenora Sellers next year because Nelly, I've got some tweet bookmarks from Nelly where he was like, you shouldn't blah, 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 all this stuff. And High, Highest graded quarterback per PFF this season. <laughs> Lenore Sellers. One snap. He, he, had like, <laughs> he, had, he had like five snaps, but I mean, he did have that in stride. I mean, that was like a 60-yard touchdown in stride. Spot, spot the lie. He's the highest spot. graded quarterback per PFF. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, I want to give Matthew credit for uh, – for, for Aiden Childs. I just think that's a good situation for him. Now, again, I hope that they get um, some wide receivers there. All their wide receivers are like five foot four. Um, but, but yeah, so good job to, to Matthew. Austin, good take on this. Good take on the season. What's your, yeah. What's if we want to talk about one? somebody else's, I'll, I'll give you a shout out, Felix. Um, and I'll take it from my bad take section where I think you were just right on Carson Beck. I think that's probably the one that sticks out to me like the the most. Um, and I think I didn't really watch Georgia the first couple weeks of the season because those games like were just no matter how close Georgia wanted to make them or whatever, they were not like, you know, seriously ever in question kind of games. But I have watched the past two weeks Georgia play and Beck has looked pretty good. And I know on Campus Life this week, you know, I talked about you know, what does he do? Like, like, I think, I think his best trait is his consistency and then maybe like his intermediate passing. But I do think those things, like, they're not like the, you know, the, the, the bucket throws 50 yard downfield and, and some of that stuff. But some of those kinds of throws are actually ones where like any player that ever gets NFL draft hype should be making. And then you watch him throw just like a, you know, like a, an 18 yard, uh, pass, you know, kind of like over the linebacker with a safety approaching, and he kind of just places, you know, layers it in there perfectly. I actually think that he's probably the best quarterback in the class on those kinds of passes. Better than Caleb, better than Drake May, you know, better than whoever else. I actually think he's what people want JJ McCarthy to be. And that's kind of it. I hate JJ McCarthy, but also I just think like Beck is a better prospect than him. So congrats, Felix. That was a good call. Thank you. I think that he's going to end up like in the uh, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton range as far as the NFL draft goes. And that's like, that's perfect for me. I mean, from where you got him, that's, that's absolutely perfect. 
Um, for what's actually, worth, I did end up drafting a few of him so that if I was wrong, it didn't like <laughs> also impact me negatively in real life. So uh, I do have some Carson Beck floating around out there, which does feel nice. I, to be honest, I feel good about a lot of my quarterback evaluations, including Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers uh, this year. Bro. That's why I'm um, like so hesitant to be like, wow, Malik Murphy was just so freaking bad this week because you just are like usually right. So I'm like, is he going to just be think back to week? Zach Wilson when missing you're making something? evaluations? Because he just looks Zach awesome Wilson was there. the number two pick in the draft. What are you talking about? I was right on Zach Wilson. I was right on Zach Wilson. Chris, what do you got? I, I can't honestly think of a good take I've had. I feel like this year has just been the year of bad takes for me. Um, I mean, I, I I don't have anything I feel like that I that I was right about, like to a substantial extent. Um, the only thing I really have is that I was aggressive on Tez Walker, like extremely so. Um, no, you know what? I Good take of the year. I do have one. I was aggressive in drafting Travis Hunter everywhere. And I talked about it extensively. And I said, Travis Hunter, you have to be drafting him in like second round at minimum. Like I, I took him in the first round of a couple leagues. Just the talent of the player was so much. So yeah, I have one good take among the many uh, what is, Island of Misfit takes. Um, And Travis Hunter, in so I want to, point this out because this is like actionable advice. Um, Travis Hunter could have been eligible for you to take in your leagues last year, depending on your rules, because he was at Jackson state in some of my leagues, you know, pointed out the fact, well, can I draft these guys? And they were taken last year. I mentioned that because there could be Juco players, for example, Deion Smith, who was, that's another guy who was in that wide receiver uh, room at LSU as a freshman with Chris Hilton and Malik Neighbors and all. Deion Smith is having an excellent JUCO season and is one of the higher-rated JUCO wide receivers. You know, if you want to kind of press the envelope and get ahead of supplemental drafts this year and you like Deion Smith, you might be able to put in a waiver claim and say, "This is who I'm taking." No, you now. can't. You can't do waivers usually with that kind of stuff. I, listen, I don't know if you can. Like, you should just if you if you want them, you can try it because you could have done it last year with with uh, Travis Travis Hunter and and Shador Sanders and all of those guys before they before they went to to uh, to Colorado. I, listen, if somebody saying, in one of the leagues that I commissioned tries to put in a claim for Deion Smith this week, I'm gonna drive to Louisville. Because no, I would never let that happen <laughs> in one of my leagues. Never. Listen, it it happened. Something similar happened to one of my leagues. That's all. I'm just bringing it to your attention because the bylaws said that the players are eligible to be selected after they're out of high school. Well, JUCO players are not are out of high school. So read your bylaws. I'm, the, that's the reason I'm throwing it out there is to help you get an edge. That's what we're trying to do here. So can I could right, I have Matt, drafted Tyson Bet? Bagnet, Bagnet, what, however you pronounce Bag, his name. Bajan. Bajan. Oh, shoot. I could have, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I know in the GM league is one that's like that where you can yeah. draft non FBS players. And Shane Hallam in that league, uh, is Shane still in that league or did he leave that league? I don't, he was all, he would take a couple of those guys every year. He took the, um, I think he had Christian Davis. Watson in at least one of those leagues with Malik Benson, Travis Hunter. I think he had um, 
who's that running back? Is it South Dakota State right now that has a running back who's supposed to be like pretty good? I always get like North Dakota, Davis. South Dakota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he drafted him in a league. He's always kind of looking for those top guys. So yeah, Bajent, I think you you could have in some formats. I mean, the hard part is you have to sit there and wait for them for a year and you know you, you get nothing out of that roster spot essentially, which kind of stinks. Um, no, I mean that makes sense. I not not a very popular format for the most part. Very, I don't play in a league like that outside of the gym league. Matt, did you do yours yet? No, I've not. Oh, um, Felix is absent. I had actually one for everybody. So Chris, you said you didn't have any. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering this correctly, you were the one to tell everybody to go after Zion Chris. Were you not freshman quarterback Louisiana, who's been pretty good the past couple weeks? So in my yeah. opinion, that's a really good call this year. That's that's called shooting for beat, folks. Um, take notes, Felix. Take Austin, notes. <laughs> uh, one of the ones that ma- that stood out for me most for you, and this probably because we went up against each other here was obviously the the quick fade on on Brandon Ennis and switch to Carnell Tate. You kind of pumped him up. He's obviously been the best freshman wide receiver for them. Um, also Isaiah Bond. There was a lot of people here who were very high on Malik Benson. We thought he was going to take over that spot. Isaiah Bond, I think, has arguably been the best wide receiver at Alabama. Uh, for Felix, it was going to be obviously what Michael Penix has been able to do. Carson Beck. And I was going to give him even a little bit longer of a shout out, even though I tweeted about him before Felix, Michael Pratt. He has talked a lot about Michael Pratt as well. Uh, but I was thinking with the quarterbacks, <laughs> where's everybody at with K Club, Nick and Ty Simpson? Yeah, yeah. Where are we, where are we at? Because I got uh, just roasted for having those guys rank really low. And I look really damn good right now. And I'm loving every second of it because they both suck. You heard it. You heard it here first. Clemson and Alabama fans—they suck, uh, and that was right. And it feels good to be right every once in a while. Where does Ty Simpson have to transfer next year to be like a relevant player? South Alabama. Like, how oh, far down does player. he have to go to be where? a relevant player? I don't have an yeah. answer for you, but where he will transfer, I can tell you, and that is UT Martin, where his dad is the head coach. There you go. Oof. You think he's going to go the whole way down to FCS level? This is the guy that you guys said like didn't look that far off the mark from from what's his name the uh, um, uh, Jalen Milrow who got that job like I, I mean you think he has to go hold you Sam, Sam Hewer did it after what one two season years. no two he was with he, Washington okay, for two, two years he, he went to FCS. So uh, if Ty Simpson goes to UT Martin. We should be like drafting him because yeah, yeah, he'll be a fantasy superstar probably. Yeah, that, he will you, be. You can't get his points though. Oh, UT Martin, they're FCS, oh, right? Oh, uh, they're not an FBS yeah. program. Yeah, they're not so. an FBS program. All right. Um, are we ready to go to bad take of the year here? Sure. Oh yeah. Let let me let me start with this one too. I had Luther Burden down at like wide receiver twenty three because I was just like. This dude is he reminded me so much of LaVisca Shame. And I was just scared of of that happening again. So now to you guys' credit, you guys were not on board with me on that take. And I had him at some point, you know, ranked at at 23. And obviously, super efficient season used in a multitude of ways. He's probably averaging what, like 17, 18 yards per catch. So definitely away from the line of scrimmage. Um, you know. That's that was my bad take, but I don't I don't think anybody. I didn't I haven't gotten any DM people saying yeah I traded Luther Burden because you're trashing him. But so. he fell to the third round of that uh, League of Record uh, draft, mm-hmm. and I ended up taking him like the three hundred three, and I felt like not very good about it after like <laughs> even I, I, though I liked him, like everyone was just like this guy stinks. I was like, 
man, if I if I f this one up, that's a that's a valuable pick to drop the ball on. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know who fell in that league also is uh, Jermaine Burton. Oh, yeah, I heard you Burton. talking about that with Waldman today. Yeah. yeah, which did you release that ep- that episode? I did. did you- yeah, it's live. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't want to tell everything, but you, you, uh, if you are an NIL subscriber, go ahead and listen to Matt Waldman break down Jermaine Burton, who fell to like the 40th round in that draft, and C- Colin took him. He's- the, the names that you were saying, like that fell around him, though, were like. Also, actual pretty good picks in that range too, uh, which I thought was interesting. Like, I just picked uh, pe- players that people would know. Yeah, you know, because there are a lot of picks in that range that you know people w- might not know. I can't remember who all was taken in that range, but um, so anyway, um, we're actually, I mean, to, of good takes. I think as a company, we do a really good job at this. I mean, we do because we have to identify value, just not in the the five stars we have to identify value beyond that and guys like Devontae walker and you know quinshawn judkins and i don't know i can't think of a lot of takes right here off the top of my head but i feel like over the years we've been pretty damn accurate uh with it's especially like telling you to fade guys like emmanuel henderson who people don't even know who that is anymore who that is i think we did generally do a good job all right let's go to yeah, bad take. Oh, I already gave my, my bad take. So, uh, Austin, why don't you give, give us yours? Uh, my bad take, I don't know. I mean, I had a lot. The one that I highlighted, which is not being on Darius Taylor at all. Um, and, you know, I think the only time I even mentioned him at all in the offseason was Colin and I were talking about diversifying once you got past the first couple of running backs in the class because it just was a really weak class and i think i said you know like oh i'll take you know this guy here i'll take darius taylor here i'll take i'll take carson hansen here like i like dropped him there as like you know i'll just randomly take this guy but like i i I don't know if i i missed the buzz around him I, i i don't really know uh exactly what what happened there but i i uh not super happy that i missed that one um so that's probably like the biggest one that like has been bothering me all year there are obviously plenty of other ones but that that one's there are so many dudes in that backfield though i mean they just the the replacement just ran for what 200 yards they still got zach evans in that backfield i mean it's 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 hard to identify it's hard to sort out you know when you have the same level of player a bunch of the same level of player in the backfield you just don't know how it's going to shake out so Oh, and honorable mention to the CFF player that I believe I was heaviest on coming into the year, which was Alex Adams. So, yikes. Yeah. There's a lot of CFF busts. Alex Adams, Sam Wigloose. I mean, I could think of some others here. Um, Mox, who do you what do you what do you got here for uh what bad take? I, I was really adamant that Raheem Sanders was RB1, like super pro Raheem Sanders, best running back in Debbie. Uh I think that I'm, I'm not saying that ship has sailed permanently. But the ship has certainly sailed for this year. He has looked downright terrible combined with injuries. It's been a really terrible season for Sanders. And I mean, I could go off of my CFF takes if we want to want to go there. I, I think I told Austin not to draft Audric Estime. Um, I said, he stinks. That's why I have him in the eighties. Uh, turns out that was, a I took Estime with that pick though. I, I did not listen to you. Well, that's fine. I, good, good for you. I, in that, in that one league, cause everyone else was like, yeah, take Estime. And you were like, no, Estime sucks. I was like, well, I still don't think he's a legit NFL back, but whatever. 
Uh, so yeah, those are two that really stick out. I mean, we had a show a couple months ago where I just read off all the takes I was wrong about anyway. So you can go back to that episode too. I could go, I could, this could be a very long segment. It really, it really, I mean, Matthew could do a whole hour on, on this one. <laughs> I Matthew, was getting ready for it. Um, Matthew, if you yeah. wait, time out before Guys, you go we here. We didn't start the yeah. fire. Matthew, oh, I was first. just going to say that. We didn't start the fire of uh, wrong takes. <laughs> Are you guys making a reference to something I don't understand? Do you not know who Billy Joel is? Yeah, no, he doesn't. No. <laughs> wait, no, wait, time out. Do you know who <laughs> Billy Joel is, the person? Even if you don't know I know the song. name. I I told you this, uh, Chris. Come on, man. I told I told you. Listen, I don't know any Billy, Billy Joel songs. You don't know any Fred Hampton songs. Let's just leave it at that. All right. Okay. Fred Hammond, I should say. Um well, Yes. What, what? what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed oh, to do? Here, so, Billy? Matthew, yeah. Matthew, yeah. there yeah. is one take and one take alone that you need to just fess up on. Okay. And <laughs> so, so I don't know, care how many takes you have here, but there's one that you need to start with. Okay. So, we'll turn the floor over to you. Like, which one are you pointing out to? There's a litany of them. I've got a list. Like, which one is it I'm supposed to start with? Because the main one that I've been going off of, like the biggest one this year, Penn State's offense was going to be the best offense in the Big Ten. That That was a horrible take on my part. Drew Alar is sucked. That offense, Nick Singleton is sucked. So if we're talking worst take, that's clearly it. It's that was bad. Nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers that take. Come on, Matthew. Come on. I'm going to see if you can do it. Come on. Good job. Come on, Matthew. You can do it. Come on. You were dominating in Texas offense. That that was a bad take as well. That one. That one hurts too. It hurts so hard. I still got the. I still got the jersey right here. I I can't even frame. Haven't even opened the jersey. I haven't even opened it. It's just it hurts. It hurts my heart. I feel like I've let down my son uh, in Quinn. So that one. (laughs) That one. That one hurts. Is there one more that? Is really yes, sticking. There's got to be one more. No, not Let's really. Go. I don't have any Let's other ones. Like, those were the main two, I think. Those were the ones that really kind of, you know, just stick in my craw. Gwen has been better than Kyle McCord, though. So go ahead. When have go I popped up Kyle McCord this year? <laughs> this year. It's a bad take this year. When have I popped up Kyle McCord from Heisman to. I what actually, if I pumped him up? At some point said it was still a competition. Devin Brown may be better. We said this year, specifically the show she says this year. You didn't say 2020, 2021, 2022. said 2023. Bad take this year. It's Quinn Ewers didn't dominate Texas see, in that Penn State offense. I don't see as this year on the show sheet. I swear it says this year on the show sheet. I don't, I don't see one. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, your whole identity is bad right. take of the year of the year oh, that's this Lord, year so well to you to all the audience it's you know just being good looking and right a lot of times so that's really it all right let's get more let's get let's continue to be negative here bust of the year uh mine is nick singleton he hasn't had a hundred yard rushing game he's averaging like less than four yards per carry um, that offense, that oh, like Matthew just said, that offense has been really terrible. I mean, if I Nick Singleton was my RB one overall, I don't. There's like four good players in college football. Like four players. If you had to help, hold a gun to my head and say who's going to be like a uh, number one type player in their their position in the NFL, it's like four different guys. And Nixon, there are no running backs that I would put in that category. None. It's like Marvin Harrison Jr., Evan Stewart, Drake May, Caleb Williams. Brock Bowers, Dallin Holker. That's it. That that might be it. That might be the list. 
Um, so he's my bust, my bust of the year, Nick Singleton. You can't start him. You have to hope that he's going to recoup some Debbie value. He's like, he's a hold. But I mean, if you could flip Nick Singleton for Alvin Kamara when you're making a run, Joe Mixon, um, somebody in there. I got to move him down my C200 rankings now. I just realized that, oh, that's going to hurt. So Nick Singleton is my bust. Austin, who do you got? Yeah, I think the real answer answer is the one that Chris put down, and he had it on the sheet first, so I, I won't copy off him. I put Raheem Sanders because I do think he's been injured, but I think he set himself up for failure by gaining all that weight in the offseason. There's no way that staff told him that was a good idea, right? Like, we want you to get bigger. I, I, we I want can't you to get imagine. bigger, and he took it the wrong way. I mean, he was he's already like Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's not looked very good this year, and I, like I don't know what his future is. Like you know, their their whole team is kind of in flux now. You know, they've they've recruited like these really interesting athletes, but they've never really seemed to put a whole group of them together at one time to kind of run through the SEC. Like for all the hype that we've given Arkansas the past couple of years, what's their bet? They've topped out at like four and four in the sec i mean that's just it's it's tough and i you know could he leave could he go somewhere else where does he go um he's from florida so we talked about on campus life this week you know florida state loves the portal could he go back there or something and and kind of rebuild his stock i don't know but i think fearing whispers before the season that the nfl didn't like him anyway and now with this season i've been trying to move him pretty desperately um in places and have had some success but also some people turn me away we could probably do a whole show on running backs who should enter the transfer portal and where they should go because Raheem Sanders could slim down and like go to USC and be a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield, you know, be, be the Ramondre Stevenson for Lincoln Riley. Um, Donovan Edwards, that same thing for Donovan Edwards. You could take both of them there or to be honest, Colorado, like Colorado could use a, a, a running back there with some size and pass catching ability. That would be a good landing spot for a running back. You think? Um, I don't even know if they want to use a running back, which is kind of the problem. Like I, I don't know. I mean, as Sean Lewis has. He used you know Marquez Cooper last year. I mean, they're yeah. Uses, they don't have an offensive line. That's the problem. They're working on it. They brought in the six. They're working on Yuko it. kid. They did. He's like yeah. 40 hey, years which, old. Which since when can like you just guy. like bring in somebody the next week and be like, all right? That's well, he's not. I didn't realize. Not like playing, yeah. is he? Yeah, but they basically signed a dude off the street, which yeah. was interesting to me. Like college football is really, you know, free agency now. Like he's got. Is he going to have tests at the end of this semester? Like, is he going to have to? I mean, he's got to be in class, right? Like, is he going to have? He's to not on campus, take? is he? No, it's it's delayed oh. until probably next okay, semester. Okay. okay, I was about to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no. There's no way that he could. Uh, he could get into class like this this late. I forgot how college works, but there is a cutoff date. Um, we are way past that cutoff date. Um. All right, everybody went. I got some other categories here, but I well, you know what? Let's go. Let's go to MVP. Do you want me to give me mine? Kristen oh, did I not? Did I skip? And Kristen give his either. No, yeah, listen, I'm a little scattered. I'm a scattered. <laughs> my, I'm, the the microphone went out. My computer died. I'm a little bit scattered. So uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, mine was Donovan Edwards. Uh, he's been flat out terrible this year, just straight up. Uh, a player who was efficient on limited touches 
was good receiver. He is not efficient. He doesn't have a single game against an power five opponent for more than 48 yards. I mean, it's just been a really, really tough year for Edwards. And um, I don't want to speculate, but I think that there is more behind the scenes there than meets the eye. And not that it really matters because he's just not running well when he's getting the ball, but it's been a very tough campaign for a player that I thought could go around to this year. I want to say this unequivocally about Donovan Edwards. Yes, he's had a bad year, but I think Michigan is a poor fit for what he does well stylistically. So, you know, even if that's true, I mean, he averaged seven yards per carry last year, and this is the best offensive yeah, line but in a lot, years in a row. A lot of that was based on, you know, that last game against Ohio State where there was no second level in that game, and he pulled off multiple uh, long runs. I'm just saying that the the thing that's great about Donovan Edwards is his versatility. Utilizing versatility is not something that they're going to do at Michigan. They could do it at another school. They could do it at uh, uh, in the NFL. So I'm like not out on Donovan Edwards. I just want to state that for the record. I'm not out on Donovan Edwards. Uh, mine goes with the bad take of the year, and that is uh, Drew Alar for me. He was a guy going in the back end of the first round, early second in a lot of drafts. He's not even – he's, I believe, QB 50 right now in fantasy scoring. Austin talked a little bit about on Campus Life this week that he jumped Connor Wigman over him recently. There's been a lot of talk about his perceived value kind of falling a little bit. And I know, again, C2C, there's a little bit more into why you picked him that early because we expect him to be a first-round draft pick. But, like, man – He's had one really good game this year against West Virginia in week one, and he's been at best okay the rest of the year. Like, I think there's a lot of questions right now. I don't necessarily think it's all him. I think the tools are there, and we've seen that. Some of that I do think is the offense, but it's not looking good for Drew Alar right now. For me, he's the bust of the year. Uh, Now, I know that we did uh, CFF most valuable player, but I kind of wanted to just do a, I don't know, a catch-all category of MVP. It could be a, from a Debbie perspective, from a CFF perspective. So, Austin, why don't you start us off? Yeah, probably any of those guys that you picked up off waivers this year that have been really consistent on a week-to-week basis. I wrote down Marcus Carroll, the running back at uh, uh, Georgia State, who's been really, really good. I was kind of worried after week one um, that it was kind of, you know, flash in the pan. But he's been over 20 points in six games this year and, and full PPR scoring. Uh, he's been over 30 points several times as well. His worst game is 13.7 points. So you were probably very happy if you've added him uh, for, you know, it, you know, you might've had to spend a decent amount of fob on him or whatever, but I think guys like, like him and, and Haynes King and those guys have been, you know, just very, very valuable because you didn't probably didn't pay anything for them. That was mine. So I'll just follow up on Austin. It was Haynes King I mean, QB six on the year, a guy that I don't think oh, anybody wow. expected to, to do that. anything at Georgia Tech. And as Austin mentioned, I, I tried to go based on a guy you got off the waiver wire. I mean, quarterbacks typically will help win you leagues. A guy like that as QB6 you got off the waiver wire, to me, he's the MVP. The craziest thing about college football is how those guys can be so bad at one place <laughs> and go to another place that we don't even like. It wasn't even like a system thing. Like It's not like he went to Western Kentucky and has all of a sudden been amazing because he's chucking the ball 60 times a game. Like He just went to Georgia Tech and has been really good. Like I, like a really good college quarterback. I, I just, I, It's so bizarre to me how that happens sometimes. But you almost have to go into every offseason with like a clean 
slate in your mind for like every yeah. player and be like you know reevaluate them every year you know is he is he good is he bad that, i don't know that's how i feel watching dju i'm like this he's putting more first of all he's getting really protected really well he's putting more throws you know these outside the number throws comebacks deep deep uh hitches you know 15 yard curls that curl hitches curls that sort of thing. I'm like, you know, I don't know that he's an NFL starter, but he's got it's, definitely got an NFL arm. It's Jonathan Jonathan Smith, man. I know Mox has talked about it. I've talked. About, I think he's a really underrated offensive coach. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves, personally. I I, I know I created the show sheet, but I actually don't have like a, a name. I mean, Ashton Gentry would be the easy one, but I don't have a name to in, include here. Mox, do you have anything different here to just add for a? kind of catch all mvp it's marvin harrison jr like i know that's another high-end guy but i i can't imagine that you're dissatisfied with his production like since week one where they played indiana in a really weird bizarre game i mean he's gone over 105 yards in every single game and he's had a touchdown in all of those games outside of the Notre Dame game and i believe he left that one early with an injury um or he came back with an injury at i don't remember um, he's been excellent and it's not just fantasy wise either. Like he has been the reason that Ohio state has won multiple games this year. He is the biggest difference maker. That is not a quarterback at the position, like at uh, period, at any position. Um, he's a, a, like he's been excellent for your college fantasy teams and he's been as advertised for the Buckeyes. So Marvin jr. Best wide receiver in college football. It's not close. Yeah. I don't He's going to be a top five draft pick, and he's there's a chance that he plays with either Drake May or Caleb Williams. That's you got to feel great about that. Um, I have one more question, but let's close the show now, and then we can ask the that question in the after show. Uh, all right, that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Austin Nace, Chris Moxley, and Matt Bruni. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night. And good luck. Um, so the question was going to be favorite show. I could not think of this year has gone by really fast. It really has. And like if I had between Sunday and now to think about it, I'm pretty sure I could come up with something, but I couldn't. When I was trying to think of the best show moments from this year, I couldn't. It's just because my brain is tired. My brain, my brain is really tired. Could because any can anybody else think of a good moment from this year? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's like my favorite show moment, but one that had all of us dying laughing. It was an after show moment to a point where like we were all laughing. None of us could hit end stream. And then when we did, and I know we had to go back and edit it, would have been, I don't remember what led to that part of it, but we were talking about getting, if I'm remembering correctly, talking about getting sponsors, and then it was some kind of missile program that we wanted, and then Chris Moxley added we would name the segment Favorite Targets. And yeah, that, that had was, everybody It was dying. black. black it was Blackwater. Yeah. There we go. He, yeah. said, he said we could have Blackwater. <laughs> he came up with that so quick. That, I mean, yeah, that and it, not... none of us were expecting it, and it was like we all <laughs> could not stop laughing, 
And like, I re- that was like the perfect ending to that's a, one of the very few that I could think of just because of how it was just so off the cuff and everybody was just dying. And we don't even do the after show anymore because you all want to go to bed. Speaking of which, I'll talk to you guys later. You're going to upload the show. Bye, Matthew. And you know what's funny about Matthew is Matthew will complain <laughs> about the show going too late, yeah. but then he'll complain about us starting the show too early. He's like, oh, I can't get home. There's like I no perfect stalker, time, bro. Like, what do you for, want me for to Matthew? do? I'm not true. Stop Soccer's complaining. Over in two weeks. Soccer's Stop over in complaining. Two weeks. That's what I would like March. you to do. If the if the show if, if we start at nine thirty, you're like, oh, I got to. You just start complaining about that. If we start too. If we start thirty minutes early, oh, that that's too early. Hey, I brought a lot of energy tonight. I didn't yawn once that I remember. I'm still here talking. So, you know. Yeah. Well, that was a good favorite moment. That's that was was that this year? I guess so. Yeah. It was earlier this year. Another one was probably talking to Justice Haynes. That was yeah. That was a lot of fun to have him on the show. What players did we talk to this year? Justice Haynes. Um on Debbie Childs. I mean, just players the, we talked to, in, in, like in the company, we had Avery we, Johnson we talk- on the early Avery, on the signing day show. <laughs> yeah, Austin Nova said Jerry on Dickey, Devontae Walker. Yeah, Walker. Who's the other quarterback from going to? Dang it, Alfred's guy, Walker White. Walker Walker White. White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wonder if we yeah, get Ezia Mume on a show because he seems like he's real chatty. I should DM him. See if we can get him on a show. Oh, you want to know my best call? The one that made the one that made the recruiting channel tell me I was right all along the other day. <laughs> What's that? Jokes on you guys. What? What is it? I, so I've been really high on Perry Thompson. The he's like a borderline five-ish star wide receiver, which isn't like a shoot from deep, but our everybody else at the company hates him. And I've been very staunchly like, this is a top tier receiver, and they've been like, he's just not athletic. And I was like. This dude's athletic, and they got they they got an updated on field speed version or speed score for him, and now he's like a ninety third percentile athlete. And I was like, <laughs> "Told you guys, he's a freak athlete." So that's a take that you had behind the scenes. It is a, a take is. that you I don't, had. Behind I don't really that. let the recruiting takes fire until we start riding the guide, really, and then I'll start letting them yeah. lose because so much can change senior year. Like there were a couple guys the other day that I was that we factor a production score in now behind the scenes. Like we have a lot of different variables that we look at and i found these two running backs that i love that had like a 90th percentile athletic score and i was like i i really like these backs and david was like i or matt was like i did too but they've like they're like no other nfl running backs have ever been drafted with like this poor of a production profile in high school it's like a great mm-hmm. so we do get to factor some of that stuff in which is fun that is not forward facing at this point in time one of my takes that was not from this year but it was from last year that manifested itself this year was my love for Amari and Hampton. Yeah. Amari and Hampton who, I mean, you got to have in the, I don't know, top 20 ish or so. I mean, he's in my top 15, I, don't, I think, but you I don't just have sort by weight and then decide <laughs> which, which running backs you like. I do look for body. types. No, I look for body types that I think, the NFL is looking for guys that can carry volume. And then I see if they, if those players, what I'm doing is not. So when I, we used to go to Michigan camp, there was this rumor going around that they had measurements for every single position. 
like at 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 tackle you had to be like at least six foot four you know a certain weight by that time that they went by certain things so you know why not have the same thing at and you you do you guys do have the same perspective of fantasy players because if if a running back is the best running back you've ever seen and he's five seven 160 pounds you're gonna be like well you know, he doesn't fit the profile. So, yes, I do have a profile of players that I like, but it's the same profile that you guys like. Gavin Sawchuck is never going to be a guy that I'm like, yeah, you got to go out and get Gavin Sawchuck. That's another player we talked to this year or last year. We talked to him last year. We talked to Avery Johnson, and then I absolutely flamed Avery Johnson in the uh He probably guide. hates us now. I mean, I don't know that he read the freshman guide. Probably not. Probably not. All right. You done? I don't care. Austin. I can stay up for a few more minutes. What do you want to talk about? You're all. I don't know. I got my Western Kentucky sweatshirt on. I'm, I'm you know, I'm good. That all those are pretty cool. Did that come from Homefield? No, Western Kentucky did. Did you see like the thing they did oh, for last week's? Yeah, but I Oh, you just bought it directly from the. I didn't know that, realize that they were for sale. Yeah, for their NIL store, they have like T-shirts and crewnecks in all oh, of the different designs, and you basically like oh, you choose okay. a player at that position that like it sponsors. I just picked some random O lineman. I couldn't that's pick out any cool. of those guys, but that's, that's what I did. And Chris cool. has the kicker, I think, like uh, the kicker or punter version of it. You have, so. yeah, I can. T- that's the offensive line one. I have the lineman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's I might get another one too. I don't know yet. But. You know, I, I uh, would you. Yeah, let's just have this meeting right here. I was thinking about doing a watch party for um, USC Washington. Any interest? Are you going to be occupied? When is it? This weekend? It's. Oh, yeah, yeah, it starts weekend. at. Yeah. yeah, it starts at seven. I'll be around. I'm pretty sure that sounds yeah. good to me. I know Nick would be down, and um, Barnabas pops in. I like I doing, that I, doing those. I don't know that I want to do a whole like four hours yeah, or whatever, no. but I'd be happy. No, we, we did it for like the, something. we did it for Colorado and, uh, in Stanford. We did it for like the first, I don't know, quarter and a half of the game, maybe first half of the game. Then obviously, and then we went to bed and then obviously, you know, what happened happened, but I, I, it's fun to, it's fun. It is fun to watch the game with the people in the company and the, you know, the, the audience chimes in. That's fun too. Yeah. So yeah. we're at that time of year where, the audience dwindles a bit. Yeah. And it and it starts to feel like the old days where we were just trying to entertain ourselves. And I think I like that that part. Yeah. As I said on campus life, like this is the first week of the season where I'm kind of like I'm finally <laughs> oh, like, I don't want to do good. that yeah. this week. Like I had I, I like spite wrote key takeaways this week. I was like, I don't want to write this at all. Well, I mean that's why I was trying to record this earlier this week. I was like, oh, I gotta sit on a Wednesday night and record the show, but consistency. That's what we, I mean, that's, that's what we do around here. Keep it consistent. The most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully if you're still around in the audience, drop a like on this video, subscribe to the channel and uh, we'll holler at you next week.